Hello and welcome to NCBI Labs. You're very welcome to another NCBI Labs live event, which brings up the live at number 39 in our series. So this is JP Kirk, which is today from the Labs team. I'm standing in for my colleague Jude Maher, and I'm joined today by our regular panelists Sean Doran and Joe Lanigan. So I hope everyone listening in is managing to stay safe and well. As it turns out, it happens to be one year of this very week since we recorded our first live event ever during lockdown number one. And now here we are 12 months later in the midst of yet another lockdown. Well, as always, the Labs team is here to keep our regular technology live events going throughout these very challenging times. So what do we have coming up for you in the show today? Well, in a short while, we're going to be exploring the area of accessibility with Microsoft. So, for example, what are some of the latest accessibility features in Windows 10 and Microsoft Office for someone who is blind or has a vision impairment? How exactly does artificial intelligence work and how is it used to develop popular apps like Seeing AI or make existing Microsoft products that bit more accessible uh, for the sight loss community? Well, joining us today to help answer these questions and more is Stephen Howell, who's the Accessibility Lead for Diversity and Inclusion at Microsoft Ireland. So we're really looking forward to chatting with Stephen in just a short while. Also this week on Meet the Team, we're going to be talking to our regular live event host, uh, Jude Maher, to find out about his role in NCBI. So after interviewing everyone else on the Labs team, Jude finally gets a chance to be interviewed himself. As always, if you have any questions throughout the show, you can leave them in the Q&A panel directly in the live event, or you can just send an email to labs at ncbi.ie, and I'll make sure to get straight back to you. Before that, as I mentioned a moment ago, we've pretty much had the, all our like Meet the Team interviews over the last few months in that section of, of the live events. But today we're going to be speaking with someone who's no doubt you'll, you'll have a very be very familiar with uh, because he's a regular host of our live event. It's Jude Maher. Since we introduced the Meet the Team segments in our live events a few months ago, Jude has interviewed as they almost did in full live, almost the entire live, live event team. But up to this point, he hasn't actually been interviewed himself. So just when he thought he was off the hook, I could up with Jude last week to record his own Meet the Team interview, which we're just about to play for you now. Okay, so over the last few months on our live events, we've had a chance to meet with almost everyone from the NCBI Labs team to hear about the work that they're involved in and a bit about their background too. But there's one person who up to now we haven't yet had a chance to speak with on Meet the Team, and that's because he's the regular host of our show. So Jude, it's great to finally have you on Meet the Team. Yeah, it's a little bit odd to be this side of the interview, but yeah, <laughs> really good to, to be on the show. Thanks, yeah, JP. Great to have you here. Uh, now, I know at one stage, Jude, we actually had considered the idea of you interviewing yourself for Meet the Team. But, yeah. <laughs> I, oh, people I, have had enough of me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think as, as funny as an interview could have, as it could have been, I think we figured it might not be the best, best way to proceed with that one. <laughs> um, I would have given myself too easy a time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so just to, to start with, uh, could you tell us a bit about how, how long you've been with NCBI and, and where about you're currently based? Yeah, so actually I, I was just thinking about this the other day. It's uh, since November 2006 I've been with NCBI, so it'll be 15 years this year, which is yeah. amazing actually. I, I'm working in the, the Western region at the moment, so um, between Mayo and Galway is the the areas that I look after but that's kind of the the last four years or so I actually started over in uh, the southeast region so I was working with Maureen Lanigan for a little while and uh, working from 
Wexford and then I was working in Kilkenny for a while, working in Waterford for a while as well, uh, up until about four years ago when um, yeah. a colleague, a lot of people might remember him actually, Francis Kane was yes. working up in, in the Western region and uh, he uh, left NCBI. So I came up to the, the Western region and I've been right. looking after Galway and Mayo since. Excellent to fill that position, Jude, was it? Yeah, that's yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. That's it. excellent. Great. And what about life before coming to NCBI then, Jude? Could you tell us a bit about your, your background, if you don't mind? Yeah, so I grew up in uh, Carlow, actually. I, I was born, funnily enough, in, in the Mayo area, so I'm back into the area that I uh, that I was born in. But I, I grew up around Carlow and I went, went to college um, to study. I, I kind of didn't know what I wanted to study when I went to college. I studied arts, which seemed to be a yeah. good kind of placeholder. And funnily enough, that the one subject that I wasn't majorly keen on that I took at that time was was to do with information systems. I, I didn't really have the bug um, for for the uh, for that subject at all. But funnily enough, afterwards, I got into kind of I did a, a few more kind of practical courses afterwards. I was doing um, so I started doing my ECDL and I I kind of had a little bit more of an affinity with yeah. uh, technology at that stage. But as part of that, I went on to do a, a training um, diploma. So I did mm. what was called, it was the Joint Education Board, mm. the JEB mm. um, training diploma. And I, yeah. I found that was the thing that really kind of appealed to me was the the whole structure of how to mm. how to train a subject properly, how to get somebody from point A to point B. Mm and uh, for it to make a real difference in their life. So that was the, the kind of training thing, uh, the training side of technology was what really got me interested in technology. I actually started um, doing quite a lot of training, training coordination, and uh, I started actually training that course as well, the, the teaching diploma as well, which yeah. was, was quite an interesting one oh, to do. Okay. Um, yeah. But that kind of got me back into technology a bit more, and I, I uh, went back to college, did a bit more on technology and uh, after that I was working with EPA, the EPA in Wexford for a little while until the, the opportunity to get back into training came up with NCBI. Excellent. And that was uh, 15 years ago, you were saying? That's it. Yeah, mm, 15 mm, years ago started yeah. with NCBI. Right. 15 years this year. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Um, so, Judah, I know you're, you're hev obviously heavily involved in hosting our, our technology live events, but if it weren't for the live events, what would your role typically entail? Yeah, so sort of similar to, to what a lot of the trainers have mentioned in the, the last few weeks, there's a, a, a lot to do with kind of assessing need, um, assessing what somebody's uh, technology needs are, um, and then trying to to also build maybe a training plan where that's necessary, doing a lot of training, whether that's one-to-one -one or group work. That, that would have been kind of the, the key elements, I suppose, of the role, particularly before the, the pandemic. But that's kind of evolved a little bit. That's changed a bit in how it's delivered. But we still managed to do uh, a bit of uh, the same the same work. I, I would do personally, I would do less of that now with the, the live events mm. particularly than I did um, maybe just over a year ago. But there's still um, that that uh, service user contact, which is is really enjoyable because a lot of it is there, there's a limited amount of of different technology, I suppose, that's out there, or even categories that's out there. There there is a lot, but it has a limit, so it could seem sort of samey 
all the time yeah. that you're working with these yeah. same programs, these same mm -hmm. pieces of technology. Mm -hmm. But because people's um, the challenges that people face, but they're also the interests that they have are so different. It actually makes it quite an enjoyable thing. You're kind of trying to work through something with with each individual as mm. to what they really need, but also what they want. I might identify something that might be an amazing piece of technology, mm -hmm. but if the person doesn't have the interest in what that technology will allow them to do, it's it's not necessarily the right mm. piece of equipment for them. So it's always kind of a bit of a a, a a journey of discovery with with each individual service user as well and then the training side of it as well of course that was a, a key part of it and as i say there was kind of training with, of, of all sorts of, of different things i think a few of the the other trainers have mentioned a lot to do with uh, software programs or different pieces of technology yeah. or smartphones or yeah. you know all yeah. of these different things yeah. are involved in that as well of course of course and jude when, when you were training would that have been like one-on-one -on -one training or would it have been training in groups or both yeah so there was a, a bit of both it really depended on what the need was so mm -hmm. sometimes you've got maybe a program that you can run that that is a, a, a need that exists among a, a big group of people you can invite people in um and there's maybe four or five people have the the same sort of level of interest same mm -hmm. background same mm. skills and that that works really well yeah. but sometimes that will give rise to maybe some more individual training afterwards as well yeah. that, that somebody needs a, a specific thing but to be honest it kind of comes out in in a few different ways for example i, I did a little bit of um awareness training for a little while um before as well and i, I used to yeah. to really enjoy that element that would pretty much always be the the group work but you'd be meeting people who mm. it was it was actually just a really interesting process to to try and challenge the the expectations that people have when it comes to um the difficulties that someone with sight loss faces and to be yes. able to actually just work through some of those expectations and trying to help somebody to understand okay actually just because you might expect somebody to be able to see this or not to see this doesn't mean your expectation is right that was quite an interesting yeah. aspect of the, that yeah. kind of training as well of course of course uh, and jude at, at the moment is there anything in particular that you're working on or any any particular project work that you're involved in that you can tell us about today do you know what the main thing is actually the live events it takes up a huge amount of the the working week i i work um, part-time so it kind of fits in very very nicely with that but for each live event that we've got uh, as you know yourself there's a, an awful lot of um there's an awful lot of research that goes into to each live event so yes. it might be research on a particular piece of technology making sure that we know what we're talking about when we're yeah. actually going yeah. to talk about it on the yeah. live event or interview someone. Yes. But there's also yeah. a lot of other things involved with that. There's the planning meetings that we have trying to work out what would actually be of mm. interest to people who mm. we can get on to yeah. to talk about a particular um, piece of technology. Some of the interviews have been mm -hmm. have been brilliant. That's kind yeah. of come as a result of maybe the the yeah. planning sessions and as you know yourself you've been yeah. great with getting on on uh, yeah. to getting a lot of the uh, interviewees yeah. onto our live events um so mm. so that's kind of the planning part but then there's mm. an awful lot of post-production as well i feel like that's true so some of our videos have to be created they have to be edited yeah. down for the live event then yeah. afterwards they have to be yeah. edited as well for the maybe the youtube channel or trying to index those pieces there's a there's a lot that goes on with it 
Exactly, exactly. It takes up a, a good bit of time and it's just trying to stay a, a few weeks ahead, isn't it? In terms of up, upcoming shows, making sure we have guests and you know, keeping interesting topics coming all the time. That's um, it, yeah. And, yeah. and to be honest, it, it's one of those things as well. We, we kind of have to be quite flexible. We've had a couple of situations where yes. maybe we were hoping to have a guest on and maybe something's understandably yes. come up that they weren't able to, to join us or it might have been yeah. technical problems. You kind of have to be... You know, you have yeah. to work on your feet quite quite well. You have to be quick that's, on your feet with it, it, which is where the team yeah. comes in really well because we've yeah. got like obviously yourself and Daniel and Sean yeah. and uh, and myself. All four of us are kind of on the go during any one live event, and it helps mm -hmm. to to keep it, mm -hmm. the whole kind of flow of it very smooth yes. as well. Yes, exactly. Great. Uh, Jude, I have this one one final question before we finish. Uh, I, I know we're fast approaching live at number 50 in, in our series. And uh, what do you have any highlights from previous shows that you've hosted that you could share with us today? For example, any particular interviews that stand out for you? Yeah, um, it's it's incredible, actually, how many of the live events we've gone through already. Mm -hmm. But it's uh, there's a lot to choose from. I, I think in terms of interviews, probably the standout one for me was just being able to talk to uh, Stuart Lawler and uh, probably for a lot of re the same reasons as I mentioned about the, the awareness training in that it kind of challenges expectations, even my own expectations sometimes. So as you're chatting to, as I was chatting to, to Stuart in that, that interview, just being able to see his overall perspective of where technology has got to at this point, but also what's still needed, what's still possible, with technology I, I find that a really interesting uh, yeah. interview and Stuart mm. of course expresses himself so well as well so that was a, a really interesting one yeah. for me but I would say as well as that I would say one of the kind of regular segments that I quite like is probably the what you need to know sections mm. so things that are kind of maybe fairly mundane in some ways but like how to get the most out of your internet connection or what yeah. you need to know if you're going to buy a laptop or, or you know when there's sales on how, how do you yeah. make sure you get the best out of it and I, I quite like those discussions because they're not necessarily single pieces that we have you know that, that you can just learn everything about every mm. conversation we have about those sort of things brings in three or four different viewpoints and perceptions and yes. you have a really good discussion about the pros and cons of different elements yes. and you always end up coming out of it kind of having picked up a bit more, even if you already, you pick up a bit more with those kind of discussions. So they'd probably be, be the highlights for me. Exactly. Yeah, excellent. Great. I, I enjoyed that, that part of the show too. And I think we've had, had a lot of interesting guests on the show. And yeah, certainly one of my personal favourites is the Seeing It Your Way interview that you uh, did with Stuart Lawler. And I'd, I'd certainly recommend our, our listeners to check that interview out as well on YouTube if they haven't uh, done so already. Uh, so great. Well, Jude, thanks a lot for taking the time to talk to us today and meet the team. And uh, we really look forward to having you back uh, next week on our live event hosting the show then. Thank you. Uh, thanks very much, JP. And, you know, I just wanted to say I always wanted to be on a live event. So I'm glad I got the opportunity. <laughs> there you go. Nice one. Thanks again, Jude. Great. That was uh, interesting talking to Jude and meet the team uh, this week. So, as I mentioned a moment ago, it's been exactly one year this week since we recorded our very first ever NCBI Labs live event. And over this time, we've had a chance to talk about lots of different types of inclusive technologies for people with sight loss and meet with several guests along the way too. 
But as it turns out, this week also happens to be the 45th anniversary of the founding of Microsoft by Bill Gates and Paul Allen. So if we go back to April 4th, 1975, a time when most people were still using the good old fashioned typewriters, this is also when Bill Gates and uh, Paul Allen set out in their ambitious goals to have a computer on every place on every desktop and every home throughout the world. A vision which obviously today has become very much a reality as well. In the intervening years, diversity and inclusivity have played an integral role at Microsoft as the company works to ensure that all its products and services are designed to be fully accessible for everyone, including people with sight loss. And well, to learn more about this, we are joined today by Stephen Howell, who is Accessibility Lead for Diversity and Inclusion at Microsoft Ireland. So Stephen, you're very welcome to the show today. Hello, thanks for having me. Well, to start with, Stephen, could you tell us a bit about your own role in, in Microsoft and, and whereabouts it fits into the overall structure of accessibility in the company? Uh, absolutely. So I'm not doing accessibility for my day job, unfortunately, but it's becoming such a huge part of my role. I nearly feel that uh, it's becoming an integral part of uh, what I do. So my day job for Microsoft, what they, they actually expect me to come in and do every day is I'm the academic evangelist, which is a, a very funny title and, and I'm not sure what it is either, but mm -hmm. for nearly eight years I've been going out to universities and now with COVID virtually to universities and colleges and institutes of technology and supporting the academics there with, with a range of things, mostly like programming and artificial intelligence and all sorts of computer sciencey stuff. But more and more accessibility questions have been coming our way. And at first it was sort of a, an extra thing I did because I like doing it. And as I learned more and more, it actually became part of my volunteer work at Microsoft. Because nice. you mentioned diversity and inclusion and everyone in Microsoft, everyone um, is involved in some way with diversity and inclusion. It's a core yeah. requirement of the job and my mm -hmm. small contribution is accessibility. Accessibility. Oh, thanks, thanks, Stephen. I wonder, Stephen, could you, could you talk through some of the different accessibility features and offerings in, in Windows 10 uh, that are currently available for specifically for people who have low vision or who are, who are blind and, for example, like focusing on some of the ease of access uh, kind of settings like Windows Magnifier, Narrator? those kind of tools. Uh, absolutely, and I'd like to share my screen uh, for this if Please that's do. okay with, with the podcast team. Uh, so I'm just going to share it now. And I'm going to share it with sound because some of the features I'll be doing um, like narrator will require sound. Great. And and I'm sharing my whole desktop and that's right in front of me here. It's a, it's, I have a number of monitors on my desk, uh, mostly for doing these type of things we're doing now, uh, because you know my job is presenting, usually coding, but something mm. all the time. And uh, one of the things that has become very interesting during COVID is many people are now doing their presentations, be it for college or work, uh, online and you know I, I have four kids at home here and they were going to school online and my youngest is 10 Molly and I heard Molly one day explaining to the teacher how to share their screen and I just thought mm. it's amazing yeah. it used to be the teachers trying to get the kids yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to learn technology and now the 10 year olds are explaining it's in cool, teams, yeah. this is what you do so uh, we, we've come a long way yes. but uh, what, what I what I'm sharing right now is just one of my desktops and uh I'm, I know that many of your listeners know an awful lot more about screen readers and, and uh, JAWS and NVDA and all sorts of uh, these cool and amazing technologies, much more than I do. And I totally accept that you have an expert here who's not an expert. Uh, and I would say is, you know, 
accessibility is you know a huge spectrum of possible user interface challenges you could have you know and that includes physical and neural and there's so many different challenges you can have when it comes to using a computer so our goal here is not necessarily to have a single system which you know uh, is only fit for a certain type of you know human being who uses the computer in a way that uh, we expect them to we have to make it that our software and our operating systems and our, our technology generally is uh, as usable and accessible to as many people as possible so we this has been a significant push and it, it happens in three ways so when i'm showing these features keep in the back of your mind that sometimes a piece of software is developed from scratch and nowadays accessibility should be built into it from the start and it'd be very hard nowadays for us anyway to produce a piece of software that was completely inaccessible yeah okay so good point. but but there's some older programs out there and some of you you know use them every day and the accessibility features are still being added to them sometimes slowly over time so it is quite possible that some of the programs you use you're going to say oh, i wish it had this feature and stephen just showed this feature why can't it be in my favorite program mm. and what i would say is in everything i'm showing here you know we do appreciate feedback and we do listen to it and even though i mightn't be on a development team making the future you want i can feed information back to those teams so even if i can't do the code for you i might be able to send mm -hmm. a message to the, to the okay. right people so i'm going to start with uh, the one that um, we tell people who are learning accessibility on windows 10 in particular for the first time brand new computer you haven't set up anything yet and that's the ease of access center okay. and i've just kicked off the ease of access center by pressing windows key and u on my keyboard and you can see what has popped up straight away and currently i don't have narrator on but narrator is actually one of the items that the ease of access center lets me configure so mm -hmm. If I want to uh, switch on something like narrator and, you know, as as a normal, uh, you know, daily use narrator isn't on on your computer, but you probably know the shortcut key to switch it on. And there are different shortcuts. Settings window, narrator dialog, OK, button, HUDSOC, narrator keyboard changes. We've updated the narrator keyboard layout. So now I've stopped it there because you've probably heard that before. I switched on the Windows narrator with my keyboard shortcut, which on my computer is Windows key, control and enter. And immediately it popped up and I've told it always show me the heads up narrator keyboard changes. Now it, it, it reads them out. I've stopped it by pressing control key. And mm -hmm. even though what I've just described there is very simple and obvious to, to probably everyone listening to this, all of you, to, mm -hmm. to me as someone who didn't have to use the narrator until a friend of mine, uh, Donald Fitzpatrick and I were doing a mm -hmm. presentation together and Donald wanted to show off certain features using artificial intelligence. And I, yeah. I, I wanted to demonstrate on my computer but uh, Donald's computer would have lots of advanced software. My computer was just plain Windows 10. So he, he was able to tell me just straight away, just press these keys and up it comes. And, you know, it was it was amazing to me because I was learning. But what I want to show with the ease of access center here is don't show again. Checkbox unchecked. OK, button settings window home, but search bot vision display selected that the number of selections are from display mouse pointer, mouse pointer text cursor, magnifier, color filters. High contrast narrator. Now I wanted to get down to the narrator. Make text bigger. Drive the slider until the sample text is easy to read. Then click apply. Slider at one half. Enter on narrator. narrator. Selected narrator. Yeah. 
to me, uh, being able to set up everything from one location, and this is the mm. ease of access center. Yeah. So, for example, on this screen, I have allowed the shortcut key to start narrator. You can imagine in certain circumstances, mm. you wouldn't want certain keys to start certain things, but also yeah. have it sign in if it's me signing in, if I'm always using it, or sign in for everyone. If this is a computer used in a center where you might need narrator on for everyone, or various settings and you'll notice that the main thing I've changed is the Irish voice. The default was George, who I think is uh, England, English, United Kingdom. And I've changed it to Sean, which is English, Ireland. Yeah. Now, Sean's a bit of a robot voice and I'm told for screen readers that's a good thing because you can read them and understand them at high speed. And I've yeah. increased the speed to 12 here and I'm finding that hard to follow, but you know, I'm a complete amateur compared to Donald who listens to mm -hmm. it at hyper speed. Mm -hmm. But to me, you know, that's a speed I can just about keep up with. And I like Sean's robot voice, but we actually have new AI voices which have come out, which may not be great for screen readers, but are really yeah. good for reading other content like audiobooks and the news do. So we're seeing advances even in, in something that is quite simple concept narrator, but uh, using infusing, as we say, AI into it, like with mm -hmm. artificial intelligent voices that can do emotion and detect when they're reading something like this is a news article I should be serious or this is uh, something else I should be more frivolous and mm -hmm. that to me is is absolutely incredible and, and again it's not just blind and low vision there's also hearing and interaction sorry it's yeah. great it's great to have that kind of customization I wonder would you be able to give us an example of one or two things I know we were talking earlier about how that could be implemented in some of the tools in Windows could you show us that today, Stephen? Well, I'd like to just uh, show a, a quick one. Narrator dialog is okay, the magnifier. Off. Settings window, use narrator, turn on narrator, toggle switch on. So when I, I often actually use magnifier and I'm going to use Windows key plus here. And uh, what Windows key plus does for me is allows me to start uh, the magnifier. So the magnifier mm -hmm. is actually started. It's on a different screen, a little toolbar mm -hmm. and what it allows you know, me to do in my daily presenting of my screen to students and professors is to zoom in on the piece of code I want them to read. But yeah, I'm also right. aware that I'm on a really large resolution. And sometimes yes. when you put that into Teams and send it over the, the mm -hmm. cloud, the end user might not have a big monitor like me. Yes. They might they might be struggling to see it. So the magnifier is actually useful in a number um, of contexts. So if I click on magnifier, magnifier. in Selected. our ease of access center and um, there is a range of customization you can do and the new features that i'm particularly uh, I, I particularly am using probably more than than anything else is you can narrator dialogue okay button Headstock. i'm going to show settings window vision color filters selected no, magnifier select you notice I've just been clicking around there and yeah. it instantly starts reading if i'm on a body of text i can get it to read from the mouse pointer. So that's the modifier key, which on my computer is alt G or but might be different on yours and a left mouse click and it'll start reading from that point. But I can also say go back to the previous sentence or go to the next sentence. Now again, these are features that you know are obvious probably to many people, but for for someone like me learning the keyboard shortcuts, they're invaluable. And I guess the takeaway here is, you know, there's a big long list of keyboard shortcuts and it can be hard to learn all of them but once you get good at those keyboard shortcuts and you know I, I maybe was lucky that I started using a computer before mice were invented that makes me very old <laughs> I know but I'm only I'm only two months younger than Microsoft so <laughs> mice are kind of a new thing you know so uh, you know to me 
if you can learn the keyboard shortcuts and yeah again if i'm if i'm doing zooming so uh, if i magnify window zoom in button I'm zooming in here at a huge rate, and I, hopefully that's coming through on what I'm dis on what uh, is going over to Teams. I'm not sure how well that comes uh, across, but I'm zooming in at 300% here, so the text is much much larger. But yeah. I also have contrast settings on, and this is for me personally, uh, even though I. Uh, I don't have low vision, but I do find it difficult to read text unless the unless the what's the word I'm looking for? The contrast is right. So right. I am in a very bright room and even those contrast settings uh, work for me. Yes. Uh, and one of the uh, features, I know there's well, a, a few features that were introduced and in, was it this the spring update uh, of Windows last year. We saw, for example, there were enhancements to Windows magnifier and new features added there like the read from here feature. Um, also there, I think there were some uh, improvements made to narrator as well as uh, color filters added for their mouse and pointer customization options. And no, I think okay. one of the things that, that I, I used to come across uh, personally, I suppose from, from chatting to several service users that they've been hugely impressed by the by these enhancements and, and new features. So whereas in the past, a lot of people might have tended to, to move towards third party software and purchasing third party software for Windows, very often they're finding that the 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 built-in accessibility features in Windows will will suffice. So which, which is which is great, um, very yeah, welcome. No, it's I an think. interesting challenge that there are mm. some businesses that, for security mm. reasons, they won't let you install any software, mm. and you can True. get a job yes. and you're really excited and you start to work and you're told, oh, sorry, you know, we yeah. can't install yeah. anything unless it's like you know yes. vetted by a committee. Yes. And you're like, okay, but I needed to do my job. Exactly. It needs to be at least something to get you working. You know. Yeah. Well, I, I, know, I know people were saying, JP, that they'd love mm. if the magnifier had like a focus indicator uh, while they're on a website, uh, that if they're using the, the read function on magnifier, mm. like a little red box would be around what's been currently read and that way they can follow the focus on the website. That, 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 that would be like... That's a really good idea and we do focus mm. and follow when we're using immersive reader and I think that would be an excellent uh, addition yeah. to uh, the Windows reader mm. and uh, I might I might show that later on in uh, Word and OneNote if, if that's yeah. of interest. Yes, great. Oh, yeah, great. Um, that, that's great. Uh, thanks, thanks for pointing those out. And what about some of the other accessibility features that, well, in, in Office? Um, now, I, I know we're talking about for things like the accessibility checker, immersive reader, which you just mentioned, and Office dictation. Document maybe, one. Uh, even things like generating uh, alt text in, in, in PowerPoint and in Word. I wonder, would you be able to talk to us about those features too, uh, please? Well, absolutely. So I have Word here, and uh, as you can see, this is a very blank document. So if uh, if I was going to demonstrate anything with this, first of all, I need some text. So the features that we're getting the most feedback in accessibility about right now are, are two things. One is the new dictate um, for, for talking to Word instead of typing in yeah. Word. And uh, the other is the immersive reader. So um, I'd like to show uh, dictate because, um, and this ties in very nicely with uh, the AI story. So. As I said earlier, some products are being built from the ground up with AI features and accessibility, and some products like Word, who, you know, no offense to Word, but it's a very venerable application. It's been around a while now, and, uh, you know, it's, it's not older than me, uh, but I imagine there's some <laughs> listeners where it's certainly older than them. And uh, the, the thing about Word is, is that it's very extensible. Things get added in, um, and, you know, it might be, be challenging to add everything in, but uh, as you can see, you know, 
there's a new few new buttons on the toolbar that you mightn't uh, have come across yeah. before and one of them is editor now i'm not going to demonstrate editor today but i know the software dialogue okay button you have finished reviewing editor suggestions document yeah. one word window document now I've just clicked that and what happened is I was inside Word and it opened up a side panel when I clicked the editor button and the editor button gives me suggestions for my writing, including spelling yeah. and grammar, but they're, they're common ones. You, you know, you've, you've, uh, we all have had the experience of being told we can't spell by words, yeah. but, <laughs> but clarity, conciseness, formality, inclusiveness, punctuation conventions, sensitive geopolitical references <laughs> and vocabulary. Now, I don't know about you, yeah. but I'm not a great writer. I have to work hard <laughs> on that and being told that I'm not being formal enough or inclusive yeah. enough is, is a good warning to have before I publish something. Yeah. Uh, but I, I want to talk about dictate. So I think this might right. be of interest. So remember I mentioned AI. So there is Windows um, dictation, which you know you may have used before. It opens up a little bar and you press a button and it gives you dink noise and you speak away. But this is slightly different. What Dictate is doing is it's using artificial intelligence to understand me. And there's a number of different approaches to this, but this uses a lot of uh, online resources. But it's uh, very private and secure. And what you say isn't stored anywhere or sent to anyone. It's all using the, the power of artificial intelligence, which is really cool. So uh, I'm going to click uh, uh, the dictate button and I'm not sure how this will interact with the narrator I have running but we'll see. So now I'm going to start dictating so, and I can tell that the narrator is attempting to say everything I'm doing and I'm not sure how to switch that off though I'm sure some of the listeners do. So I'm practicing uh, so, by tricking it by speaking faster than it can so that it can start reading out. Now I can put a comma start. in and I can even say full stop and new paragraph. Now, by saying lots of random dictation uh, features there, you'll notice that it did put in the full stop and it did go into a new paragraph. But of course, I do the traditional Irish ah before I say the next sentence and it's put in an A because it thinks that's what I must have wanted. And you know, it's fascinating to me that I never think about punctuation when I'm writing, but I naturally do it when I'm typing, you know? Oh, it's time for a new paragraph, yes. you know? Uh, there's my full stop. But I don't think in my head, full stop. So you have this new experience where you have to say full stop and it actually makes you think yeah. about your reading in a different way. Now I spoke very fast there and, I, and you know if we were to get it the narrator to read it out. So now I'm going to start dictating and I can tell the generator is attempting to say everything I'm. That's just one sentence mm -hmm. and again I just spoke fairly fast. You didn't hear my you know proper speaking voice for dictation. Yeah. I just rambled on and spoke with my loud accent and it flew through it. And that, you know, the improvement in dictation recognition by what I'm, by what, you know, mm. you're saying is phenomenal. Now, I can't mm. guarantee it'll work for every Irish accent, okay? <laughs> as long as it works for loud accents, though. Look, look, it took hundreds of scientists, dozens of years to make it work for, for the Dundalk accent, but okay, we're getting there, we're getting there. And, uh, you know, but it's just, it's incredible to see these little advances add up to big things over time. And that wasn't a feature in Word. No, you could dictate to Word recently. and have these AI features until recently. Yes. Okay. Well, that's great. Hi, thanks. thanks. Hi, Stephen. It's uh, Joe here. Um, I'm I'm actually a visually impaired user of um, uh, Microsoft computers, and I'm I'm really pleased to see the improvement in Narrator over the last few years. Um, I think it's getting to the stage actually where people can buy a Microsoft computer 
without spending money on a third party um, screen reader, almost to that stage. I noticed today when I turned it on, I'm I'm a user of JAWS, so I suppose okay. I stick with stick with JAWS. But yeah. it, it's good to see that I I could turn on a Windows computer, turn on narrator with Control Windows and, and Enter, and uh, I'd be able to use the use the PC. So I also noticed today when I when I turned on a narrator that it tried to copy the settings from my other screen readers on my machine so that it will make the computer work the way I normally use it, which I think it's actually that's a, a great um, introduction that it so it means I don't have to go messing around with settings, speedy, speeding up devices and um, uh, maybe changing punctuation settings. I thought that was a good. You know, that's fantastic to hear. And mm -hmm. I, I didn't actually know that because I don't have other screen readers installed. Do I do whenever I'm learning with, say, Donald Fitzpatrick? He's had me install them so I could learn. Um, but I'd say he, he nearly gave up teaching after that experience uh, of trying to teach me. But the thing is that uh, I didn't know that. And that's really interesting. The The main thing I've uh, I, I've seen in 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 the change in the approach to a lot of our software is personalization and productivity that you should be allowed to do it the way you want to do it. And if you're got a particular setting you like, we, we should attempt to not remove that feature in that setting. You know, we should attempt to support you on it. And then the other thing is that what makes you more productive? And if this makes you more productive, it's something we should support. So, you know, making everyone in the world as productive as possible with our technology is, is a goal for everyone in Microsoft. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There was a stage, there was a stage a few, a few years ago. I don't remember the exact timeline, but I, I suppose narrator used to only read menus, you know, which got you so far, but then you needed a, a third party screen reader. Yeah. Uh, now, uh, like uh, we can go to the Microsoft Edge browser and we can actually read the information off the page and um, fill in a farm field or maybe make a purchase or, or whatever you want to do on, on an Internet web page. You know what I mean? But I mean and of course, that stage now where it's actually usable, you know. Oh, well, absolutely. And uh, I'm pleased to see that there's more and more investment in these technologies and accessibility. You know, you could be very cynical and just say, you know, uh, you know, we'll take a box. It's accessible. And mm -hmm. How do you know? Well, you know, we asked someone and they said it was like, you know, but that's not good enough. Mm -hmm. It needs to be software that can be used by someone with a brand new computer out of the box and not a case of, oh, well, you're going to have to go and do either spend a lot of money or do a lot of work before you can actually do it, work with your new computer. Yeah. yeah. In the case of reading devices, as you, as you mentioned already, it, it's um, it's fairly welcome because, uh, as, you, as you said, in some cases, a robotic voice is, is good, but um, uh, look, as you said, reading, reading news articles and stuff like that, it's good to have a voice you can listen to for a longer well, period of time. Can, can I do a little demo then of that? Because it might be of, of interest uh, one more to the audience. Oh, oh, I've lost my Windows tab. There we go. New tab, Microsoft Edge window, app bar, address and search bar, edit. So uh, what I want to do uh, here, and I'm afraid I have to turn off Narrator for this bit because we tested it earlier on and we need to turn off the Narrator uh, just so we can hear the new AI voice, but I will turn it back on after that. I hope that's okay. And what I'm going to hear everyone can actually go to in their web browser, so it's not a top secret site I have. And what I'm going to is the cognitive services, which is uh, what we call AI on our 
Microsoft Cloud, which we call Azure, uh, A-Z-U-R-E. Uh, I'm Irish, I'm probably not pronouncing it right, but um, if I scroll down, uh, I have a section called Speech, and I, I love this uh, new uh, feature because text-to-speech is what we call in, in programming, if you're a developer, you'll know what I'm talking about, it's an API. And what an API is, it's application programmer's interface, which means you don't have to know how it works to use it. You can actually send a piece of text to this and it will send back uh, a voice reading it out. Uh, so I'm going to go down to a little demo and this is uh, the cool bit because I can put any text I want in and you, I know you can't hear a screen reader right now, but I've switched it off for a reason. So I'm going to say uh, welcome. Oh, I can't spell uh, W-E-L-C-O-M-E -E to the NCBI Labs podcast. We are delighted to, oh, I need to put, I need to get better at typing, folks. Mm -hmm. I forgot a space. We are, uh, we are delighted to meet you, okay? And I put an exclamation mark in at the end of we are delighted to meet you. Now, if I look over on the right, I can see that language can be specified and we have quite a range of languages, but right now it's on English US. The voice is Jenny and there's also, you know, six other voices, but uh, some of them are like Aria with no neural after them. And the word neural tells us that it's an AI generated voice as opposed to a um, computationally generated voice like we had back in the 80s. So if I go with Aria, and we listen to this. This is traditional voice reader voice that you've probably heard, a screen reader voice, probably heard, you know, uh, on lots in lots of different ways on Windows. Welcome to the NCBI Labs podcast. We are delighted to meet you. So a little bit uh, robotic, you might agree. And if we go down to English Ireland uh, and we select poor old Sean, we've been listening to Sean already quite a bit, but let's hear, hear Sean again. Mm -hmm. Welcome to the NCBI Labs podcast. We are delighted to meet you. Now, Sean sounds a bit like me in the mornings, but if we go to Connor, who is a neural voice, this was used, this used lots of Irish accents to generate a voice. It's not one particular point. There's no actual Connor now. Connor's not real. Welcome to the NCBI Labs podcast. We are delighted to meet you. Now, we can also try Emily. Now, Emily uh, has a very breathy voice at the end of her sentences, so. Welcome to the NCBI Labs podcast. We are delighted to meet you. <laughs> now, I can, you might say, well, actually, we want an Australian presenter. We're fed up, JP. You're not sounding Australian yeah. enough. Oh, okay. <laughs> and we can do that. Welcome to the NCBI Labs podcast. We are delighted to meet you. Now, I actually played that for an Australian lecture and his class, and he said he sounded like a posh Australian. And uh, <laughs> I'm very impressed that, uh, that that anyone can recognize uh, the I'm differences because all I could get was Australian. So I, I was impressed <laughs> by that. But if we go back to English US, we can even change the voice style. So just uh, I have general assistant chat, customer service and newscast. So let's go with the newscast. Welcome to the NCBI Labs podcast. We are delighted to meet you. Which is very formal. But if we go back to uh, a chatty uh, voice, chat. Welcome to the NCBI Labs podcast. We are delighted to meet you. So really it's a formal type of sound and it's fascinating to me that you can actually build cheerful and professional narration voices and casual newscast. I'm not quite sure what all the differences of those would be, 
but let's try one more. Welcome to the NCDI Labs podcast. We are delighted to meet you. And that was cheerful oh, from cheerful. Aria. Okay, so there you go. Now, I'm sorry I had the narrator off, but I just wanted you to hear the different AI voices without it stopping me playing them every time. And I will yeah. switch to the narrator on now in a moment. But uh, that AI, and uh, that's for speech and language, which you just heard with dictation, but the same thing is happening with vision. So you can bring a photograph into PowerPoint and it will tell you what mm -hmm. it thinks it is using the same mm -hmm. technology, mm -hmm. only it's doing vision instead of speech. Mm -hmm. oh, well, could, could you demonstrate that for us now, Stephen? I, I absolutely could. I'm going to oh, show it in PowerPoint as opposed to on the website, oh, if that's okay, because the website shows computer code and I don't want to traumatize anyone. Uh, however, if there is anyone listening who says, I'm a coder, I'm interested, mm -hmm. uh, especially playing it back after the thing. My day job is showing people how to write AI programs with uh, the cloud. And if, if any of this is inspiring to you or if you've seen the Seeing AI app and you've gone, I want to know how to make that then I would uh, love to talk to the developers. Maybe you're a student and you're thinking of being a developer someday. I'm talking to you too. Or maybe, you know, you're an old developer like me and you're saying, hey, I wouldn't mind doing some AI, you know, might make a change from all the, the banking programs I write or whatever it is. <laughs> well, then uh, get in touch with me separately after the podcast. I'm sure right. JP and folks will, will share yes. my details Thanks, because it, it's a separate conversation, but I'm just going to do a quick demo. Well, so I'm going to turn the narrator uh, back on for this. Starting your text-to-speech Microsoft Azure, Word, Microsoft Edge window, Microsoft Edge, text-to-speech Microsoft Azure. And we are going to PowerPoint. Slide pane, slide one. And uh, I have a blank PowerPoint presentation, which is on screen now. And uh, I need to just point out uh, a couple of things here. And one thing I, I didn't show uh, in Word was to show that to make a structured document, you should use styles because that lets the navigation mm -hmm. pane generate yeah. metadata about your document. But yeah. a, lot, a lot of people don't realize is the same thing happens in PowerPoint. So in PowerPoint, we have a concept called the layout of a slide. Layout, menu, and presentation one, PowerPoint window, office theme, title and content. And we have title, title and content, content header, to content, comparison, and each one is just a structure of a slide and it has placeholders for things. And I, I notice a lot of students completely ignore those, delete them and insert text boxes where they yes. think they, they will look better. Now that's mm -hmm. fine. And I always say to my students, uh, once Gowen Fitzpatrick explained this to me, is that when you click accessibility checker in PowerPoint, it detects where you're, you're using the structure of the layout of the document on each slide if you have filled in all the bits. If you've deleted yeah. them, it has nothing to go on. Yes. So it goes, well, I don't know what order to read this out in yours. Good luck to your screen reader. So it's a little thing, but don't just delete everything and start with a blank slide. And I am 100% guilty of that in all mm. of my presentations till I learn that. But mm. in this scenario, I'm going to add an image and we're going to see that when I click insert, and pictures. pictures menu presentation one PowerPoint this window. device Insert picture from this device menu item and i'm selecting picture dialogue file name slide pane slide picture. picture 10. and this picture is from five years ago and it's my daughter uh, molly and uh, it's a little girl and 
she's sitting in a field that we've just baled. So it's big hay bales, big round ones. And she was quite small, so I had to put her up in the hay bale uh, because, um, you know, she's so tall now, she could probably jump over the hay bale, but not back then. <laughs> now, if I put that image on a slide and I just sent it to Donal and expected Donal mm -hmm. to figure it out for himself, that would be a very, very inaccessible use so of the features. And if I mm -hmm. write context menu, menu, presentation one, PowerPoint window, edit all text, menu item. If I edit all text, because uh, it detected I'd added an image and it didn't know what it was, it automatically sent the image to a Vision AI service, which has returned the following piece of text. It's a child sitting in a field. All text, description, edit box. A child sitting in a field description automatically generated with low confidence. A child sitting in a field selected. So I've selected it. It's a child sitting in a field. And show confidence. you how we got that and delete it. I have a button when I delete that field, it says, OK, if this dude doesn't write in what it is, we'll have to do it for him. And it has a big button generate a description for me, which I will now click. Mark has decorative checkbox unchecked. And it comes back with a child sitting in a field. Now, okay. to show you that I'm not cheating here, that I had that image and I told slide it what it was. One. A child sitting on. in a field description automatically generated with low confidence. I'm inserting a new image. Pictures, presentation one, PowerPoint it's window, completely different. this device, menu item, insert picture dialogue, file, slide, pa slide pane, slide it, one. It's from 12. the farm and it generates mm -hmm. uh, alt text automatically. And I'm going to click presentation one, PowerPoint window, edit all text, men all text, description, edit box, a group of chickens description automatically generated, end of line. And, you know, it is yeah. a group of chickens. It's six of our chickens uh, and they are absolutely the best pets ever. And they give us a huge amount of eggs. And that was on a snowy day. Now you'll notice that even though the chickens are standing on snow, the description doesn't have anything about snow. Mm -hmm. So this is the cool little thing I can tell you is that the fact that they're standing on snow is detected and sent back to PowerPoint. But PowerPoint says, I'm only going to show a single descriptive sentence. But if you're a programmer, you can get all that information mm -hmm. and you could maybe build a more powerful system. Not, not for PowerPoint, yeah. but for your own things that yes. could do that. And that's really yeah. interesting. And really Steve, would you think that that could become like native to Windows where on, on any context menu, if we right clicked an image or uh, shift F10 on, on an image, we could down arrow to image description. Well, let me say two things on that. One, I, I can't confirm or deny if that's a feature I know is coming up because I can't <laughs> comment on that. But what I could say is if you were a developer, you could build that yourself and build it fairly quickly. Yeah, that's a good point. Now, yeah. now you might say, look, I'm not a developer. That's fair enough. Not everyone's a developer. But, but uh, uh, people <laughs> like me look at that and go, OK, I actually could build that. And, mm. you know, whether or not it's worth your time and effort to build it is another thing, but but you could do it. And that's mm. the real power of the cloud and AI, that, that this is actually a service that we offer out to mm. other people. And uh, do, do I have time to show Immersive Reader? Um, that would be that would be great. I was going to say there's a couple of things: the immersive reader and possibly the accessibility uh, checker as well. If you wouldn't ah. mind, Stephen. Yeah. So uh, I'm going to mention just on accessibility checker, uh, and that's an important one. This is now in Word, and it's in PowerPoint, and it's in Outlook, and it's it's in other things as well. But that's the three main places I use it. Okay. And what accessibility checker is is it's just the the peace in mind that you haven't missed something before you publish something. So yeah. it could be sending an email, it could be handing up a, an essay to a, a, your lecturer, like Donald Fitzpatrick who's yeah. going to use the navigating pane to, to read it, or it might be a putting it on the website you don't know who's going to read it and you know someone could come along and read it in years to come and say i, I couldn't follow any of that because it wasn't mm -hmm. an accessible document yeah. so what the accessibility checker lets you do and it's like slide one under review automatically generated i'm going to 
close that little uh, pane there, uh, is check accessibility and accessibility checker looks at your entire document and tells you if you've forgotten something. For instance, to fill in an area that it expects to be filled in or to generate alt text for an image or even the order is not clear of, uh, of items yeah. you've placed on the screen. Yeah. And, and I'm going to tell you, you know, we had a, an interesting experience with this. So we had 104 slides that every single employee had to read before they could be allowed to go back to the office uh, post COVID in Ireland and every country had to do this. And a colleague of mine had made the slides and they're very good on accessibility and they had checked everything on accessibility except the order. And it turned out that even though we had all text for the images, that wasn't enough. Yeah. And we ended up having to change the order of items on every single slide or else right. it wouldn't be published because it didn't yeah. meet the accessibility the guidance. Yeah. Yeah. It didn't matter if no one was going to use that feature. It had yeah. to meet it, you know, yeah. and that was really, really important. So I'm yeah. going to hit check accessibility. And guys, it's not a good result, I'm afraid. Missing slide title. I haven't put in slide <laughs> title. And intelligent services have suggested alternative text for me, and they have. And that's kind of a hint. You know, are you you want to check that they're right? Because maybe yeah. it says that's not yeah. chickens. That's a, you know, a line or yeah. something. You know, and, and I need to check that. And you can leave that accessibility checker running while you work. And it appears uh, on the bottom left of my screen at all times, a little button that I can click. And it says, look, you need to investigate. The status is not good. That's mm -hmm. also in Word. And when I have it that every time I send an email in Outlook, it does the accessibility check. And it can even detect if someone says, I'd like to receive emails that are accessible. So it says, look, you're sending an email here you know, to JP. JP wants an accessible email and you better go fix that. So that's the accessibility checker is uh, built into lots of different parts of Office. And I think you'll see it in more and more features going forward. Anything where you create content, it's going to be an important feature. Yeah, great. Thanks, thanks for that, Steve. You're going to mention the, the, the uh, immersive reader. Okay, features. so immersive reader uh, might be interesting. Window, 10 window, challenging sentences, content block two or four, editing. So when I'm usually Present. showing this, I'm control talking about dyslexia, believe it or not. And I know we're not talking about dyslexia here, but uh, there's similar uh, interesting features that even though it was developed for dyslexia will be of interesting uh, to low vision users. So one note, uh, and by the way, the thing I'm showing here is called Immersive Reader, and it came from a hackathon a few years ago in Microsoft. And uh, you've also heard of Seeing AI, which came from a hackathon in Microsoft. So the hackathons at Microsoft happen every July for a week long, and they've happened at least as long as I've been in Microsoft, which is going on eight years now. And you know, I love taking part in them and I've been very honored to take part in them because they are the things that you, you know, you learn and do are incredible. And I highly recommend if you've never done a hackathon to get involved in one, you don't have to be a coder, but try and get involved with one. Uh, if you want me to come and do a hackathon with you, I'll absolutely do that. I love them. But what I want to show here is something that started as a hackathon idea but has actually grown into something that's integrated into, I think, 17 of our products at last count, including Minecraft. So, so let me show you what it is. Yeah. I've, I've listed sentences here that are difficult sentences if you're learning English. I had to console my mom after I sold her console. Land tools, OneNote for Windows 10 window, challenging sentences, content block 103, editing. 
And if I was to imagine taking a sentence like that and trying to parse it, it's fine for me because like I actually, believe it or not, in loud, I grew up speaking a variant of English. Uh, you know, it's pro probably not exactly English, but it's close enough. And I, of course, the sentence is not true. It's an example. I would never sell my mum's Xbox. I love my mum. I would never sell her Xbox. But, <laughs> but the thing is, is that, you know, it is a difficult sentence to parse. But it's even more difficult if it's hard to read because someone has sent you a black and white document with a small font and that you can't read. So we have a button called Immersive Reader and I'm going to click that button now. And at first, information. Play. Button. At first it doesn't seem that different. It's still black and white. It has a play button, which I will click now for you. I had to console my mom after I sold her console. There's simply no use for something you can't use. Mm. They were going to project the project at the local theatre. So each sentence is a difficult sentence, but mm -hmm. Immersive Reader is really cool because it changes how the document looks mm -hmm. to just the user on this current device and does mm -hmm. not change the underlying document. So you might have experienced if you're using a computer and someone sends you a Word document and maybe you have low vision, you make the fonts bigger and you change the colors to just get it right. And you send it back with the edits because you're collaborating and they say, what'd you do to my document? It looks awful. I'm going to have to hand this up to the mm -hmm. professor. You know, and you're going, well, wait a minute. I need to do that to read it and edit it. Yeah. So what this lets you do is change how it looks. It's non-editing. It's non-destructive. It doesn't change anything. So I have text Better. preferences. Te text size. Use all plus arrow keys to change the text size. Slider at 20. Text size. 42. Tab pane group header. Design ideas tab item. Accessibility tab item. And each number you heard there being called out was me changing the font size without having to select it and, you know, select the bit I want to change and then change the font and then yeah. make it smaller again. I can also change the font here to Comic Sans. Font, Comic Sans, radio button. I'm not sure I'd recommend that, but it might help uh, you know, for certain people. And okay. I've changed the colors to be pink. Themes, radio group, or. And uh, so there's a pink background, which is easier to read. But I also have grammar so options less, which, for people who say, look, can you just highlight nouns, the nouns? Nouns, verbs, switch on. And we also have adjectives and adverbs in different colors to help. And then the best one is if you're if you Line have a, a user who maybe you're you're teaching or maybe they you know they're refugee to Ireland or maybe they're they've come to live in Ireland and they don't speak any English. Well, you can actually translate the document, either the whole document or by word for them into huge number of languages, including Irish. So I'm not saying anyone listening to this would need help with their Irish. Choose a language for translation. Okay. Box. Irish. Line focus. Translate words to Irish. Off. Line focus. One note page. Now, the only thing is it won't read out Irish to you, but it will read it out in a variety of languages. And the final feature of Immersive Reader and OneNote that I think that you might be interested in is Content block two of seven. I have a photograph here of the first page of Harry Potter, okay? And uh, it's Harry Potter, the first page is the boy who lived. I don't know if you've uh, ever read it. I, I will admit I didn't read it, but I listened. I saw the movies and I listened to Stephen Fry narrate every single book on everything yeah. over to America and back. So, so if I right click on this, another feature of AI, I can copy the text from the picture. Learning tools, content, v, and paste it. Content block four of eight, editing, lived. 
So I now have the entire text that was in that photograph copied and pasted and I can edit it and change it or whatever it was. I don't think you should change Harry Potter, but if you needed to make a report on it and you yeah. wanted to take a, a quote, you can do that now instead of typing it and getting it wrong. And in fact, the immersive reader would even read it out with that nice Irish, you know, AI accent, not Stephen yes. Fry, but you know, you can have it read out to you in an Australian accent if you want, posh or otherwise. And that is just, you know, showing how AI is going from here's a photograph and it could be in a language I don't speak. Can I right click, copy the text out, paste it, translate it into English and read it out to me? And all of these features are happening because of AI, but they're built into OneNote. They're included. You don't pay extra for these features. They're just standard features yeah. that are in there. And we have little kids using these features who don't realize that they're actually using incredibly powerful AI behind the scenes all the time. So they were the, the main features uh, I'd hope to show you. And of course, check accessibility is in there with is mm -hmm. this one note I've just made with all this uh, information I want to give to my colleague is it accessible? And it'll do that accessibility check for you. Great. Well, thanks for going through those features. There's, there's been one or two questions that have come in that you might be able to help with uh, there, Stephen. One is from uh, Thomas, and he's asked a question about the about the Xbox console, as it happens. Okay. Um, he said, uh, what are some of the accessibility options that could be found in the Xbox uh, console for screen reader users? So uh, I'm. This is something I'm very passionate about because uh, when I'm not in Microsoft, uh, a big hobby for me is gaming and I used to be a games lecturer and my I'm doing a, a PhD um, in UCD with a group called Smart Lab who are absolutely amazing and they're very much focused on accessibility uh, and inclusive software. And what my research is on is on gaming with your body that, you know, using cameras that track and let you make games with your body. but uh, we recognize that not everyone can game on an Xbox. So how do we make it so that as many people as possible can game? So the one thing uh, Challenging sentences. I'm going to just check and uh, if I'm on camera now, I'm going to, I don't know if I'm on camera, but I'm going to hold up um, the Xbox accessibility controller. Now this is a controller aimed at a feature called you, will, you can completely game on your own with this controller by adding in um, switches that you are able to physically interact with. So let's say you don't have access to full mobility or range of mobility in your hands to hold the traditional controller. I'm going to hold a traditional Xbox controller up. This is the new blue one. I don't have the new red one yet, but I do want it. And uh, the thing is that when, when I'm using it, I have to, and I'm getting on a bit, but you know, I'm able to play games by pressing the buttons and sometimes I'm not as fast as pressing them as the four kids who beat me at everything. <laughs> the reason is I'm getting old and can't press the buttons as fast, not that I'm just suck at games. But the one feature I want to mention is Copilot. So Copilot lets you press the buttons you can press while someone else presses the buttons they can press so that together you can control the character and play the game. Now, where does that come to when it comes to uh, low vision, uh, being blind and trying to game and uh, Xbox screen readers? So there is game narration, which for any text that appears on the screen will be read out. Now, not all games support it, though a lot of the Microsoft Studio games do. So games um, like big games that, uh, and there's a list of them online you can check, but big games that you might have heard of, like in the Minecraft and Minecraft Dungeons and Gears of War and games that have text appearing. 
that is a feature that we're trying to get more and more game studios that produce mm -hmm. games on Xbox. I remember we don't develop all the games on Xbox, other people do, but it is a feature. And, and one thing that I've been using a lot recently is I was playing a game and it was not made by Microsoft. I won't mention the game in case I'm not supposed to, but okay. it was far too hard for me and it had an accessibility section I never seen before. Okay. And they were all physical game playing accessibility things like are you too old to point the gun properly? Well, you can pick this button and you're like, okay. And then it kept saying, are you sure you want to do that? Like, cause the game won't be as good if you do that. And I'm like, I, I'm only clicking this cause I know I need it. Don't, don't shame me because I clicked on that button. So these features should be integrated. And the one thing I've been thinking about in games myself, and I don't make games anymore or even teach people to make games. But the one thing I, I want to, um, to, to think about, and I think, I'd love Tom, Thomas's uh, opinions on this. Is that there, there's a lot of games where you're 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 they're sort of what I call Twitch gaming, uh, where you just have to be really fast and point at the guy and shoot the guy. And I don't really like games like that. I like games with lots of uh, like role playing games, with lots of thinking and conversations and figuring out where to go. And I see a lot of those games could absolutely be made accessible uh, and playable. You know, if you just took the approach that screen readers on Xbox would not be an unreasonable thing. But there's another type of game where there's someone in your ear, usually a fake character saying, you know, go here, do, oh, the monster's over there, do this. And what if that was an actual person who was using, playing maybe on their computer with a screen reader, which allowed them to say, okay, team, uh, I'm getting an alert that there's a, you know, the enemy is on the left, you should go right, you know, or whatever it is. And then suddenly you're an integral part of the team, even though you can't do the oh point and shoot really quick, but you can be the the person guiding them because you have access to information they don't, and how well you communicate makes the game. That's a great I idea. That's interesting concept. concept. Yeah, I, I know. Um, we had um, like we we looked at Microsoft Ear Hockey before because it was an audio based game, and we looked at some other audio based games, and I think Thomas was also alluding to the fact that. Uh, on Xbox, you're adding in accessibility controls like you're mentioning, like the, the speech to text or even a, an inbuilt magnifier, but even something as simple as having a high contrast menu option that that's that's there and you can change the game to a high contrast menu or the Xbox's native menu itself to high contrast. I think that that really helps. And um, I, I can't mention any upcoming features, but what I will say the following, because this is public knowledge, is that uh, you can see job ads in Microsoft by going to careers.microsoft.com. And by the way, in Ireland, we've like 190 jobs open at the moment. And I would love some techies listening <laughs> to, to think about applying. You know, we'd be very interested. But but uh, if you see, I often see jobs over in America that if I was in America to apply for. And a lot of them say accessibility, design and Xbox. So I think there's something happening. I can't tell you what it is. I think something's <laughs> happening and uh, I love seeing it. Uh, so. Um, like I don't have any secret insider knowledge that I'm not sharing with you, but I can see the job ads and I go, isn't that really interesting that they're hiring in this area? We'll, ha we'll have to read between the lines there on that one. <laughs> um, but we're, we're actually opening up a center of excellence in Talis. We are kidding it out with the latest um, technologies for people to try, like from smart TVs to um, like Alexa type devices and basically everything. So we would love to have an Xbox there to try out and anything accessible wise would be would be fantastic. And well, it's, it's I'm, a, not sure if, I'm not sure if that's genuine or Sean just really wants to play some Xbox <laughs> <laughs> on a big on a big smart telly. But uh, I'm delighted to hear that. Uh, and, you know, you should follow up with me after this. I want to hear more about that. Did you say in Tala? 
in Tala. Yeah, we've we've an NCBI office in Tala, and we've we've we've, we've launched a new um, center of excellence. So like I said, we have a lot of equipment in there. We've a lot of um, we, we, you know, we've got five or six PCs. We have CCTVs, handheld magnifiers, smart TVs, smart devices, and we're just trying to get out the room as much as possible. Smart lighting just like everyday experience for someone. So it's not always things that are like, you know, here's a CCTV built for someone with sight loss. It's like, oh, here is a television that you can actually turn a screen reader on and the whole family's using the television. I don't have to ask someone then to change the channel or go through an EPG for me. And we're just trying yeah. to explore all avenues now. And we're, we're going to have an open day as soon as as soon as you can, uh, you know, as soon as open days are allowed again. So we'd love to invite you to it if you could make well, it. Well, I'd I'd love to be invited, and I'm just going to say I I don't I don't know Tala extremely well, but I was actually a, a lecturer in uh, what was IT Talents now TU Dublin Tala for eleven years, and uh, you know the the only thing. I knew about Tala before I started there. It had a square shopping centre that I'd never seen, but when I got there, it wasn't square. But uh, <laughs> the first time I was ever in Tala in my life was doing an interview for that job. And the second time I was ever in Tala was to start lecturing there because it's an hour away from where I live. But it was a big part of my life for 11 years. So I'm delighted to hear that's coming to Tala. And I think it'll be amazing. I would love to see it. And please invite me. That would be something that uh, I think there would be a big crew in Microsoft who would love to see that and be very uh, interested. And just let you know, like the, um, I, I was there yesterday, and it's the last stop on the Lewis. That's how I know where our office in Tala is. And I did happen to get the wrong Lewis out to Sagart, so that that's that's on me. I should I should have been I should have been using a, an app like Microsoft Soundscape to navigate my way there, but I I, uh, I just got on the wrong Lewis and had to backtrack. But uh, no, we definitely it's it's very easy to access, and once you know the location, and we'd be delighted if you could make it. Yeah. Uh, absolutely, and live event thirty. Oh, for turning off poor old uh, narrator. <laughs> now, um, so uh, I've just stopped sharing my screen. Um, and you mentioned Soundscape. Um, I know there were some questions on Soundscape. Yeah. If uh, right. uh, if I can. Um, if I are on seeing AI, I'm happy to uh, chat about them as uh, well, but I have limited uh, limited knowledge on Soundscape, but I am happy uh, to to chat about it. Yeah, great. We might even bring in uh, Joe here as well. Yeah. That's OK. Just uh, it hasn't been released in Ireland yet, um, as as, as um, Joe will tell us now, but I know, uh, Joe, you've been involved in some testing with this app. Yeah. Um I've been involved in some testing for Microsoft Soundscape. They're um, currently testing if the Irish voice is suitable, the Irish accent on, on Apple devices. And um, they're just making sure that the uh, street preview, when you can search for a street and previewed before you go there, all that kind of stuff is working before they um, release it. So look, uh, we'd be hoping well, I'm hoping it'll be released by the summer or something like that. And I think COVID has held it back a little bit also. But um, I, I've been testing it and it does work extremely well. Um, the re really um, pleasing thing about it is it's got stereo. It works in a stereo sound. So I, I've used it with AirPods Pro, for example. And if I walk down the street and um, the things on my left hand side will be announced in my left ear. Um, so it'll say maybe the steps bar is on my left ear and then on the right hand side it'll say um, in my right ear it'll say the Bank of Ireland is on my right. Uh, it'll tell you all the little service roads which most um, 
service road would be like a little laneway that going into between two houses or something like that. It, whereas most um, uh, navigation apps won't mention those. You know, you can actually turn it off that feature if you want to, but I find it quite useful. Um, it's just a, it's a different experience of using the navigation app to uh, other ones I've used. And the fact that it announced, announces things in uh, different in both ears like that and in stereo makes it a lot more, I suppose, makes it more of an, an experience, makes it more of a real experience and points out the points of interest in a better way. And you can imagine them better in your head if you were totally blind even, you know? So it's that's it's really kind of, interesting and it's such a small thing, you know, but yeah. when you explain it like that, it makes a big difference. Yeah, it makes I just I just you can focus on where the actual point of interest is better. Uh, I think it, it's just in whatever way the device announces it, if it's farther away, kind of it just announces it in, in such a way that it makes it more real, you know. Um, also, when it's when you come up to an intersection, It'll say, OK, Green Street is on your left and it'll be saying it in your left ear and uh, Mill Street is on your right and, and it's saying in your right ear. And you just kind of you don't even have to think about left and right. You know what I mean? It's just giving you that yeah. signal. Uh, I, I don't have uh, an iPhone. I have an Android and I have uh, Jabra earpods, which I find brilliant. They have a stereo and a mono setting and I can have one attached to the phone and one attached to the computer. And I'm using them right now. But uh, I'd be very interested to know would it work with uh, that type of technology too? That's brilliant. And uh, I, I just the one thing um, that I reached out to the team because I knew there was interest in Soundscape. Um, uh, well, my colleague reached out to the team and they came back and they uh, just you know one thing to note they they are working on getting uh, a release for Ireland in 2021. And I know COVID I think has held up a lot of plans for a lot of people. But so hopefully uh, that will happen. And um, uh, they you know. They, they wanted to point out that they, you know, really appreciate and love the collaboration uh, that has happened with the NCBI and Chantel and Joe. It's, it's, you know, these things don't happen unless you have, you know, brilliant partners who can help and test and develop and and uh, make it something that's actually useful and not just, you know, something that we made, but no one actually wanted it, you know. So <laughs> that's a uh, that's it's phenomenal to hear you're working with them. Thank you so much, Joe. And, uh, you know, I, I can't wait to, to get, uh, you know, my hands on this, too. So it's absolutely brilliant to hear it. It's great. As you're saying, Jabra Stereo headset, it will, it will work with those. And um, I'm more than likely it also worked with Aftershocks, which allow we say a blind person needs access to their ears, I suppose. So the, the Aftershocks headphones use your uh, inner ear, so it'll, it'll be placed on your bone of your ear. And, uh, it is a bone conductive technology. Yeah. Bone conductive and it leaves uh, your I, that's ear That's science free. fiction. Science yeah. fiction to me, because I remember reading about that in an Arthur C. Clarke book, uh, you know, like a, a million years ago when I was a little kid, and now it's just a product you can buy. It's just incredible. Yeah. <laughs> and also, the, the AirPods Pro have a transparency mode, so you can hold the stem on your AirPods, and when it switches to transparency mode, it also lets in the noises from outside the mm. earphone as well as inside. So you can hear the leaves rustling and the wind while you're also listening to the soundscape, you know? I don't know if I should. Also, also, which is more important. Yeah, well, absolutely. I was going to say, uh, <laughs> but like I, I, I have a setting here allowed on the Jabra, and when I switch it on, 
Um, I don't tell my wife this, but my wife is very softly spoken. And when she's mad at me, it's even worse. So I switch that on and it acts like a hearing aid to hear just what she's given out to me about. It's just amazing. Uh, whereas the kids are very loud. So when they start shouting, I just switch it off again. So, uh, no, it's uh, it, it's phenomenal that, you know, the advances in these technology and like I have a HoloLens here, which, you know, is for, you know, holograms and augmented reality. And a lot of this stuff, like I was reading about when I was a student and it was like Neil Stevenson's Snow Crash. It was absolute science fiction. And now it's, well, that's a product you can buy. And if, you know, you're a developer, you can build stuff with it. And it's just, it's nearly commonplace now. And that yeah. it's wonderful to see that. And I want to see the same thing happen with accessibility. So, yeah. you know, these conversations are very important. I yeah. think uh, um, Marty McFly in Back from the Future, he had a tablet in his hand in one of the scenes, I think. And uh, I don't think yes. any people thought that was like 30 years in the future. Well, look, I still don't have a hoverboard. So like when, <laughs> when I... When I <laughs> yeah, not, not, not real ones, but they have imitation. So that's... that's, that's yeah, so I've seen, I've seen a, few, a few people in Dublin on them and I thought, I don't know if that'll catch on in loud now, especially with the tractors, but like, you know, maybe someday. Um, Get rid yeah. of the yeah, I, I, like I was listening. Someone was telling me about Soundscape. Uh, it might have been uh, Donald and uh, Fitzpatrick who has taught me an awful lot uh, that I need to know. And, uh, you know, it was just incredible to me because I live on a farm in the middle of the woods. And, you know, if I go outside and I stand in my field, Soundscape is not going to tell me anything's on my left or right for a long time. <laughs> a, lot, a lot of walking before it'll say anything. And, uh, you know, but, but absolutely, you know, if you're trying to avoid traffic and you're in, Dublin and like I get lost in Dublin regularly because you know mm. McCulchy who you know is a bit frightened of going to Dublin when I do go yeah. there I can't find anything yet uh, I can't imagine how difficult it would be when I can't find the signs where I want to go or you know so it's you know this is absolutely integral uh, to your experience of being independent and going somewhere so it's it definitely something yeah. stop you there for a second you said yeah. you can't uh, you're in the middle of a field well actually you can you can set a place marker so if you're at the gate of the field and you couldn't find where the other gate was you can set a place marker and sounds great and it'll navigate you back to the gate so well we do have lots of gates in the field and yeah, so uh, we, we have to have beacon. them because well, you, yeah, get you, the, because you get to the gate, you get a little beacon noise, you know, so. That's brilliant. That's know. brilliant. I, I genuinely do want to test this out now because uh, yesterday my 10 year old is very sad that uh, the, we, since we got the chickens, the dog, who is a golden retriever, is very upset. He spends all day staring at them out the window, like in, in, in a rage. And he's caught one and it did not end well for the poor old chicken. Uh, so, so yesterday he escaped. Uh, the poor 10 year old let him out. And of course, it's pandemonium here. Everyone goes running out. Everyone's holding a lead trying to catch dog. Dog didn't go near the chickens. Dog thought freedom. I'm going for an out run. Now he's too old to run. But he went for it anyway. And we came back covered in mud after managing to finally catch the poor old dog. And the dog thought this was a great holiday. He was he, he was a golden retriever, but he was quite dark brown from mm. swimming in various things he shouldn't have been by the time we caught him. And my 17 year old said, can we not put something on the dog that would track him? And I said, then what would we do? He's still going to be swimming in the bog, you know, he's still going to be rolling around in something he shouldn't be. That's not going to help. 17 year old said, yeah, but I'd know exactly where to go without having to, you know, walk around shouting for the dog. And I just thought, you know what, he's probably right. There should be a way that I can put a tracker on a dog or any animal and find them when they get lost, you know. <laughs> Whereas, you know, shepherds have lasted a long time without trackers on the sheep. But, you know, nowadays, mm. maybe, maybe technology solutions to make our lives simpler and easier aren't that bad mm -hmm. of an idea. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. so uh, 
if you if you see that I have an Internet of Things solution for a lost chicken, you know it was me who who, who had that big need and had to develop it. <laughs> Great. You love, tag, you love to put a tag around her leg, I think. It just, that's the way it'll go, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I, I'd rather put, a, put a, a rope around the dog and keep him uh, chained up uh, than let him eat a poor chicken, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so before, before we finish up, is there a way for say, some of our listeners to, to contact you or, or, or Microsoft or any comments you might have or, or suggestions based on, on what we're talking about today? Well, absolutely. So for nearly every product, there's you know an official way to contact the team that make that. So I'm not making any of these these products. But if you want to talk uh, to me about anything to do with accessibility in Ireland, and you know I'm not you know speaking for the UK or any other country. So if you're listening from another country, there's someone else better than me. But if you're in Ireland and you want to reach out and ask a question, and you know the questions you can ask me range from you know. You know, I want I want to be a computer programmer doing AI for accessibility. What do I study in college? Well, you can contact me about that all the way to uh, I'm using this accessibility package from Microsoft and, you know, it's not working for me. I need help. And, that, you know, that's quite a range of things. But, you know, it's generally you can absolutely get in touch with me uh, my uh, you can share my email rather than me read it out. Um, it, it's Stephen with a PH. So S-T-E-P-H-E-N dot Howell H-O-W-E-L-L at microsoft.com, but I know you'll share that in the notes and that is much easier. And you Great. can absolutely email me and say, can you support me? Now, sometimes I'll redirect you to somewhere else and sometimes I'll be able to help you. I'll just give you one example. Mm-hmm. Recently, out of the blue on Twitter, I got uh, a request for help with Teams from uh, a user who's blind and, you know, I nothing to do with the NCBI mm-hmm. as far as I know. They just got mm-hmm. in contact yeah. and I offered to do a training session and they said, can they bring their friends? And I think we ended up with four or five different people on, including, you know, people yeah. that I had met in Microsoft like Stuart. Yeah. And it was just mm-hmm. brilliant to be able to do that. And it's just a yeah, small thing. Collaboration. Excellent. But it's just, hey, you need some help. You know, yeah. let me see if I can help you and you can absolutely get in touch with me for that. And of course, if it's a big, you know, important, I'm buying a big thing and I need help with a big mm-hmm. thing, I'll put you in touch with the right people. I won't be me helping you, but I'll do my <laughs> best to, to find the right people for you. Excellent. Oh, great. Well, Stephen, thanks, thanks a lot for joining us today. Thanks, Stephen. Re- really appreciate it. Thanks, Thank you and, very much uh, for having me. Yeah. Uh, hopefully we'll ha- see you again in the, when the opening of the Tala office happens. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. Thanks very much, folks. <laughs> great stuff. Thank you. Thank you very much, Stephen. Um, great, so we're nearly uh, finished today with our with our live event. Uh, just before we go, uh, a few things uh, just to, to run through. Uh, just as a reminder, if you require any technology support for the labs team, you can contact our help desk on 1850 92 30 60, or you can send us an email to labs at ncbi.ie. Or to avail of the wider services from NCBI, you can call us on 1850 33 53 53, or you can email info at ncbi.ie. Um, if you'd like to make a donation to NCBI to keep our services going, uh, you can visit our donate.ncbi.ie page, or even if you'd like to sponsor one of our live events, you can send us an email to labs at ncbi.ie. So what will be coming up in the next few weeks? Well, lots of interesting things coming up in the next few live events, including a very exciting new accessibility feature soon to be released by Sky Ireland that we really look forward to telling you about. We'll also be talking about app development. So for example, what are some of the key things to consider when building an accessible app? And how can you get involved in that process to affect effect change? So all this and, and more to come in the coming weeks. And just before we finish as well, I'd like to point out that our next live event will be taking place on Tuesday the 13th of April. So that means there'll be no 
live event next week after the Easter bank holiday weekend. As a reminder, if you'd like to stay up to date with what's coming up in our future live events and keep uh, keep informed of latest tech news for people with sight loss, you can subscribe to our weekly technology newsletter by visiting our website ncbi.ie or, or by sending an email to labs at ncbi.ie. So that's about it for today. Thanks to thank our panel of Sean, Joe, and our guest speaker, Stephen Howell from Microsoft. And of course, everyone for listening in as well. So take care, everyone. Enjoy the Easter weekend. And we look forward to having you back with us in two weeks time for the next NCBI Labs live event.